Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner. I was reading a parable about an unrighteous city judge who did not fear God and who did not regard man, and a really persistent widow. This widow had had some trouble. She had experienced an injustice, and she came to the unrighteous judge to avenge her over and over and over. And he ignored her as long as he could, but one day he had had enough and basically just said, fine. Very often this parable is misinterpreted because some of the interpreters imply that Jesus' message is that loud and persistent begging will eventually just wear down God's resistance and cause him to give in to all of our requests. But if that was the meaning of Jesus' parable, then it would require that the judge in the story symbolize God, and that can't be, because he doesn't. He, in fact, symbolizes the very antithesis of God. This isn't a comparison, but a contrast, really. But context is important. Jesus was talking to his disciples about his return. This chapter opens on a conversation between Jesus and his disciples about the coming of his kingdom. Jesus has been discussing the timing of his return when he launches into a story with a point. And there's something unusual to notice because right at the start, Luke, the recorder of this incident, he gives us a summary of what the story means before we even read it. We don't have to interpret it. He's already told us. In verse 1, we see that the parable is told to the disciples so that, quote, they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So the point of the story is that Jesus' followers ought to not give up as they await his return. Don't give up as you await his return. And, oh, you guys, are you feeling it too? The waiting for his return. Because Jesus win. Things are looking pretty bad out here. There's politics, there's violence, there's gender, there's denomination, there's war, poverty, greed, secularism, racism, sexism, there's Twitter. Are you about ready, Jesus? Because I'm not really sure what you could possibly be waiting for. We are so bad at this. The other day, with the latest headline, I laid flat on my bedroom floor on my face and cried just that. We are so bad at this. The dogs were so concerned. We are waiting And we're waiting for that perfect balance of justice and mercy that we will never be able to manage on our own. We are waiting. And there's that large-scale waiting for his return. But there's personal waiting, too. Hoping for something specific that is still out in front of us. That in-between place of waiting, it's familiar to all of us, isn't it? We know what it's like to be in the middle place between where we've been and where we want to go. Maybe it's a job, a relationship, a baby, a certain success that you feel that you deserve. Maybe it's news from the doctor, a certain healing for a loved one or for yourself. We've all been waiting on the tarmac of the in-between. That place of waiting, it can be a restless place. It can be a place of uncertainty, questions, sometimes even sorrow and fear. And so often, our hearts cry in the place of waiting is, How long? How long, Lord? I'm convinced that the real problem, it's not the waiting, you know. But instead, I think it's what happens to our hearts while we wait. Because for so many of us waiting, it can create a downward spiral of impatience or frustration, selfishness, anger. Some of you may know, if you follow me on social media, that I keep rescuing dogs and becoming increasingly unpopular with my husband. Well, the latest dog I picked up, it has the bladder the size of a mustard seed. Honestly, she pees every seven minutes. So I got in a bind where I had the dog in the car with me, but I really needed to go into the grocery store to get a few things for my kids' lunches. And I needed to take these things up to school before 11. We had no groceries, and I couldn't pack their lunches with baker's chocolate. So I had to leave the dog in the car. It was a nice day, and I cracked the windows. But I knew that I had a very limited amount of time before the dog went to the bathroom in my car, and my kids have already turned that SUV into a biohazardous zone. I cannot have one more mammal doing as they please in my car. So, 
I get the six items that I need, I go to the express lane, and I get behind the woman who is paying with a check. So, I arrange my body in just the right way to let everyone know, passive-aggressively of course, that I was in a hurry and that I was annoyed. And then no one could find a pen. So I sighed. But then I had to disguise it as a cough when it became too obvious that I was completely irritated. But then, you guys, I noticed that the lady in front of me, writing a check with a pen she could not find, was wearing socks with her sandals. And I think any other time this would have endeared me to her. Aww. But right then, in that moment, I was completely questioning her. I mean, obviously her fashion choices, but her goodwill, her good nature, her good character. And why? Because she was making me wait. Here's another one, maybe a little more sinister. I went to school at a really conservative university, and I was in a sorority, and all of my friends were engaged really early on in our educational career, ring by spring. And I knew, I knew in my bones that getting married early was not my story. But I really wished that it was. I wanted a love story, too. But what I noticed during that time of waiting for the love story that God had for me, waiting very much by myself, what I noticed was this grim thrill at rolling my eyes at love. Looking around and seeing the many, many people in love, it made me angry. It made me negative. Frankly, it made me mean. And this is my point. If this is how we respond to people who make us wait in line, what happens in our hearts when God makes us wait for something we really, really want and feel we deserve? Because after all, we're decent people. We can look to this parable to the persistent widow to know how to wait. Because God wants us to live with great expectations, with a constant and enduring sense that he is for us and that he loves us deeply and that he will at any moment move in power on our behalf. This parable is addressing exactly what it looks like to wait well. And I know that I have not always waited well. There is something about waiting that makes me question God's devotion. And I've noticed that when I question God's devotion, I start the bargaining. I have spent much of my life bargaining with God. God, if I do this, then will you do this? If I sign up for the Bible study, will you bring me the athletic farm boy Navy doctor from Iowa? No? Well, what if I sign up for prison ministry? How about now? This is a true story, by the way. But do you want to know what? Now that I think about it, now that I really think about it, bargaining, it wasn't about getting what I wanted out of God. Because the truth is that I was fine without the boyfriend, or whatever it was in that particular moment. The repaired relationship, or the baby right when I demanded, or the immediate healing, or the success I felt I deserved. The bargaining, it wasn't about my desires, not really. The bargaining was about my desire to know that God cared. What I wanted was proof that God would show up if I asked him to, because that would mean he was willing to involve himself in my daily life in ways that mattered to me. Bargaining was an attempt to know that he really loved me. Answering my demands would prove that he loved me in a way that I understood as love. And so I had a realization that bargaining was my attempt to find out who I was dealing with. The question was really, how much do you love me? Do you love me enough to care about my life? Do you love me enough to worry about my worries, enough to give me the desires of my heart? Do you even care about my heart? Bargaining is just how I thought I would finally be able to see and touch his devotion. I thought that answered prayers and blessings were the best way to see his devotion. But there is a better way. God has already proved exactly who we are dealing with. He has shown us with so much passion exactly how much he cares about us, and it is thick, and it is dynamic, and it is beautiful, and it is against the grain, and it is relieving and controversial. But our way of life, with ourselves at the center of our story and our insistence on living as comfortably as possible, it's a barrier to seeing the actual way that God has told us that he loves us. When we are consumed by the things around us instead of the eternal things above us, we can't rightly see how great his love is. God is not preoccupied with our comfort, even if we are. If comfort is our love language, his love language is a little more intense. It's a little more gritty. He's not sending us valuable trinkets or effortless relationships or instant remedies or magic wands. He sent us himself. 
our pain-free living with all of our desires neatly around us and in place is not proof of his love for us. Jesus is. Because God came down. He walked down to our level. He walked this earth. He shook it up and he turned it upside down and inside out. He got his hands dirty and his heart broken. He left heaven where peace reigned to enter a messy, fallen, broken world where he was spit upon and mocked and misunderstood and murdered and left all alone. He loved with such controversial, counterintuitive love that people literally could not understand it. It was so selfless. It was so great. It was so easy that they rejected it. And he completely set aside his glory to really speak to you and me for us to know how much he meant it. God is more loving than we have ever imagined him to be, even when those things aren't falling into our laps like we've hoped, even when we have to wait. Sometimes God delays his blessings to examine what it is that's in our hearts. He waits on purpose. And it's not that he doesn't want to bless us, but he's after a greater purpose than our immediate blessings. God doesn't want to just fix our problems. He wants to transform us in the process. He wants us to resemble his son. And that's likely to take a minute. In this parable from Jesus, we're being asked to wait well, to trust that he's coming, and to understand that if God isn't rushing to heal, then there must be something to gain from the hurt. From the book of Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is my friend Allie. All at once, she is childlike but ahead of her time, fun-loving and wise, creative and living out loud. She can make you throw your head back and laugh and then lean in with a pen. I love it when Allie so starts saying, come good. on, come on. <laughs> After that prayer, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I need to go pray. I need to pray more. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you need to talk to me about yeah. the intimate details of your life is what you need to do. Let's just break it wide open. Okay, so hi, Allie. Hi. hi. I'm so hi. glad you're here. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. That's what I meant to say, so actually. <laughs> Normally, I have this garage apartment that I lure people up to, oh, and, and it's brand new, and it smells like... Just for Not new purpose? car, but new yeah. house. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, That's we so ha- we have guests, and so they can spend the night there. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's no kids or dogs around. Because oh if you go to season one, two, and three, you can hear dogs scratching yeah. in the background. Yeah. You can yeah. hear kids, like... <laughs> it's real life. Yeah, sure. In a chokehold yeah, upstairs. Yeah, right, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably fine. That's it's my so parenting cool. philosophy. Yeah. But anyways, but so we do. We have, And so I'm usually saying, I'm so glad you're here because then we're in this little sanctuary of a place. Yeah. But now we're in a real sanctuary of a place, which is your church. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, the youth room and uh, yeah, all the all the things all around. It's cool. Good. Some hot glue droppings. Yeah, you know, been crafting. Yeah, we have that. We have sodas. <laughs> we have the most rain. We have a Harry Potter trophy because we do um, Quidditch. So you know, it's casual. I love you, Allie Hoffman. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. We were so so. We got to do Genius together. Yes. And so here's what's delightful about you to me mm. and humbling at the same mm. time. So Liv, who arranges Genius, Mm -hmm. tells me, you know, the lineup. Yeah. And you're Mm young-ish. How old are you? Yeah, (laughs) 29. You're 29? Yeah. Okay. Well, I did think you were younger, but... Anyways, it's my I think glow, I, you, you, you glow, you're fun. <laughs> my skincare routine is paying off. Uh, sure. <laughs> but here's what I thought when she told me, she actually, I don't think she told me how young you were. She just mm-hmm. told me you were young yeah. and it was to hit, you know, we want to yeah. serve everyone at Genius. Yeah. We wanted there to be a variety mm-hmm. of people in attendance. Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking, oh, that's smart of her to bring mm-hmm. a young person on because she can really minister to the younger people in the crowd. Yeah. yeah. And you brought me to my knees. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? I That's love so beautiful. when the Lord is like, no, you have something to learn from yeah. everyone. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't want to like imply that I walked in thinking I, that I sure. like, knew everything or didn't have anything to learn. Mm-hmm. But when someone, I mean, I guess in my head you were 25, but mm-hmm. when someone's like, oh, this 25 year old's going to preach. I'm like, That's mm-hmm. going to be so great for someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you were in the first row too, like the very yeah. front, and you had your hands up, and you're like, oh, I remember I sat seeing at your, feet. your face. Yeah, I sat it was at so your good. Feet. It was so cool to see. And the thing I love about young adults is that there's enough life experience mm-hmm. where it's like I've I've lived a little life. Yeah, I have I have some good lessons. Mm-hmm. I have some things to share. Yeah, 
And then yet there's a little bit of a searching heart yes. because right. I don't know, it's not quite so jaded. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I pray, Lord, keep my heart soft. Keep yes. my heart soft, Lord. That's a good prayer. Yeah. A tender oh, heart. Yeah. A tender, tender heart. Well, and I was I think I was so moved as well because I did felt very honored to talk yeah. to so many women who have gone before me, like a season ahead of me. Uh-huh. And that's what struck me so much because my mom was there too and like what like y'all saying yes and y'all still continue saying yes gives me and people even younger than me mm. like the witness of oh it's still like you still have to do that it's not a one and done it's not yeah. a oh and then my life was great but oh, like right. just that witness of oh like people who've gone before me that it's worth it to keep saying yes yeah so that's what I was so moved of like oh my gosh we really are co-laborers like yes. in all aspects of life yeah so it was really neat you know you I felt like you handled the tension between being the youngest person mm-hmm. on the stage mm-hmm. and the um the vulnerability and humility mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. And then the confidence of, I've been asked to do this, and I need yeah. to rise to this challenge, yeah. and I'm going to step up and bring it. Yeah. And so your combination of humility and confidence mm. was just, I mean, <laughs> had Jesus all over it, oh, man. you know, because Thank he's you. so meek, but so powerful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have, okay. I'm gonna have to sit with that. That's it was good. So good. And if that's not woo, then what is? Yeah. I mean, you wow. know, you just won everyone mm. over. You are so talented. Mm. You're so gifted. Thank you. It was such an honor to minister alongside you. Mm. I just oh my love gosh. you. Gosh, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Allison. You're so welcome. Oh, um, okay. That's so, awesome. hey, what do you want to talk about? Like classic. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about life. Let's you know what I do want to talk about? Tell me how Oodles of Doodles got started. How did you? Oodles I, of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know the story. I don't really? know how it all came Oodles to be. Oodles of Dudes. So I have an Instagram account called the Oodles of Doodles. And it started as a New Year's resolution back in 2015. Or like fall of 2014 going into 2015. I was living in a community and of studying and is my last semester of college. And I... Now, with hindsight, I know that it was Holy Spirit inspired because I don't do your New Year's resolutions because I think uh-huh. I fail at them. So why am I gonna try? <laughs> and um, and I just know myself. But I just wanted to get better at hand lettering. Uh-huh. I when I pray, I journal, and I like to make scripture look beautiful. Yeah. And so I was like, I wonder if I'll, I'll just I want to get better at this. So I'll just every single day I'll practice it. And I wanted some kind of platform to like keep me accountable. So I chose Instagram. So I was like, that's easy. And then after, so I did that every day for a year. And in my head, my mentality was, I really love doing this. And if I don't have like 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes to do something I just really, really love, then my life is way too busy and full. Yeah, <laughs> and like, good I need, for you. Right? I just need that. To, 30 minutes to, of margin. Exactly. I mean, that's, just yeah. to anchor and like, and so I did it. I did a doodle every single day for a year. And at the end of the year, um, it kind of grew a little bit and people were noticing and stuff. So, and I, ju- I would share like what everything that I doodled, it was basically for my prayer life. So I just shared what was going on in my life and mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, now 2019, almost 2020, almost five years later, it's grown into a ministry and like opened so many doors that I didn't even think possible. And like, I <laughs> still, my mind is just blown yeah. away of like, Oh, the, the Lord knew. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. He knew. So now it's, yeah, designing and I'll so do So when did you start? I'm sorry if you said stuff. already. Uh, 2015. Okay. Yeah. So 2020 will be um, the five-year anniversary. Wow. Which is crazy. Uh, yeah. So everyone head on over to Oodles of Doodles. Oodles of Dudes, yeah. Oodles of Dudes. Oodles of Dudes. It's so, so beautiful. Did, and you. I, have you always considered yourself an artist? No, I really, I remember, so my parent, my dad is an artist. He, Uh he likes to do a lot of art stuff. And I remember growing up, he would do that. And my, my brother was very artistic. Um, I always liked art. Mm -hmm. I always loved doing stuff. I remember in like middle school, I would write notes to my friends and we would make it all like cute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you have to make it cute, you know? And you do the fold it up and you do that. I still have a box, right? I know you gotta make it cute. Um, and but it was never a thing of I want to intentionally do this uh-huh. until Uta Dudes. Well, it really, so it's cool. really unique. It's really special. Thank you. I love it. It's so much. it's. I think what's so cool is I've been able to do workshops and teach people how I do what I do, and then them then turning around and being able to do it in their prayer. Cause I just do it in my prayer time. 
and and transform their prayer life. I think that's the coolest thing of like this doesn't just have to be a, oh it's just an Allie Hoffman or whoever right kind of thing. But anyone, sure. I mean, I taught myself, so yeah, anyone can do it. <laughs> you just got to practice it. Yeah. So um, okay, cool. well let's talk. Let's let's dive into what you and I decided to talk about today, which is yeah. basically <clears throat> I feel like this. This culture mm-hmm. or this society that we're living in, maybe it's just a human thing, um, but I feel like we are bombarded mm-hmm. with the message mm-hmm. that romantic love yeah. is the end all be all. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. It's like this, la- so it's like this laser focus uh-huh. of, and, and so, and this is what makes your life meaningful. This is That's what makes like you pinnacle valuable of, as a yes, person. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, can I want to talk about what you're seeing? Not only in your own life, yeah. because you are, you know, twenty nine mm-hmm. and single, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily your desire, right? But, um, right. but also, you're a youth pastor, uh-huh. and so, so let's let's talk about first about do you agree or disagree that our lives <laughs> are completely validated with the messages that we're getting from outside sources? Oh my gosh, that, by romantic love, right? No, I mean that. I, I think that is so true of that is the pinnacle of life. Like that, that's how you know that you've made it, quote unquote. That's mm-hmm. the message that you get, uh-huh. that you've made it in the world. And uh-huh. then that, that's when your life can start. Like yeah. that's when, I mean, you talk about, we joke about it all the time, even people going to college to get the MRS degree, the yeah. business degree. You know, right. and it's all, right. we joke about it and it's fun and everything, but I think there's just like really deep Well, and then once you're there, it's ring by spring. Right, exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, and that happens a lot. And I think that's beautiful, but I think when you cling to it so tightly, what happens if it doesn't happen? Like right. what? And that was my experience of my parents were high school sweethearts. They met when they sure. were 15. Sure. They were married when they were 19 and they've been married for 37 years. It's been amazing marriage, like an amazing witness yeah. of what marriage is. And they're, they're not perfect, but they love each other so much. They're very much peacemakers. And so that trickled down to my siblings and I. And so that's what I just assumed my life would be. Of, of course, I'm gonna meet in high school, and that's what. And that I'm 29, I'm single. That is not what my life is. Yeah. So how do you and reconcile here we that? Are. Right? Yeah. Like, is my life a failure? Is my life, you know, of like, am I just waiting for that? And I think the anxiety and stress can come into that. But I've really learned that, like, just through prayer and like living my life um, and doing things that the Lord has just brought into my life to be able to do. Of like, oh, I'm realizing slowly, like, unraveling those lies. Yeah, unraveling those. Yeah. True, like those things that have wrapped around my heart and my soul. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the biggest lies, tell me if you agree or disagree mm-hmm. and feel free to expand, but um, is that, okay, so we serve a, a powerful God. Mm-hmm. And so because he's powerful, he can, he can do anything he wants. Yeah. And so because he can do anything he wants and because mm-hmm. I'm a daughter of a king, yes. I'm going to get whatever yeah, I want. Yeah, like a ATM machine or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Spending machine. Yes. Exactly. Like, and so I yeah. think that we can get caught up in this exchange with mm-hmm. God. Like, I'll do this. Yeah. And then you do this. Yes. And the truth is, is that you and God are not like old pals exchanging favors. Right. Exactly. You know? And so exactly. how do you like reconcile what we think our rights are Yeah. with what God's best might be. Right. These are what I think my rights are. This is what I, this is what God's best. And it's really learning to let go of your freaking plan. (laughs) Let go. Like I was just listening to one of your podcasts on, um, anxiety and stress and like just planning your life. And like, I think that's so true of, of learning. It's really like how I view prayer and how I view my relationship with God is that talks about in Ezekiel, like heart of stone and how he wants it to make a heart of flesh. Mm. And I just view it as like what I want, which are not bad desires. Like, of course, you know, so it's not like I'm desiring to be, you know, this, a drug addict, you know, or murderer or something like that's not what I'm desiring. Yeah. Um, you don't so want to go good. like hang out in a den of sin, right? Exactly. You're I'm not looking for that. Want a partner? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're good desires. So where are you on? Exactly. And like, and to run a race, and to yeah, exactly. And so, um, I just imagine like the Lord. Every time I go to prayer, every time that I, you know, just like Your will be done, and like just surrendering that. It's like um, it's like a slow transformation of just what's the like. What's the term? The not whittling, so but like chiseling, chiseling away, just mm. very like every time, just chiseling away until mm-hmm. he reveals that heart of flesh. And like, yeah, I think that's, that's what I just see of like it's really transformation and molding and um, 
and to be able to live the life that the Lord has planned for me, whether that yeah. is with someone or with not whatever the Lord has and, yeah. and trust. And yeah. Um, I, I think that because we derive our meaning from yeah. the things that we can attain yes, or, or the ways that we can or, climb mm-hmm. or yeah, accomplishment. Yeah. So we, and that's like a personal booby trap that I'm always yes. oh, yeah. feel like I'm falling into uh-huh. is that I determine my, my worth by how worthy the world says I yes. am and the world says I'm worthy by right. what I can accomplish. Yes. And so you can like stack these things around you and yeah. go see, 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 yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and they're like physical, tangible, like proof. Yes, you know, quote exactly. Unquote of, yeah. And so, okay, so I don't have this. So there's a space yeah. here. Mm-hmm. This thing hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And so then when we're waiting, I think that it's easy yeah. to make an idol out of whatever it is that you're waiting Come for. Come on, Allison. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Right? Go on, preach. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it is. It's like holding up on a pedestal, I think, and of of that idea and that ideal. Even in the, I mean, the Christian Catholic world of like, when you realize you fall in love with the sacraments and you realize what sacramental grace it is and how good it is and you get your, your partner to heaven and that's what you are desiring, like... Of course, that's like, why wouldn't you desire that? And so that, and then, and then it becomes like a God. Almost, yeah. Like a less, even if yeah. you don't even mean intend it that way. It's, Absolutely. Oh, how do you actually surrender everything? Not just yeah. the parts that are easy. Yeah. <laughs> but like your entire life. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's easy to take, to take the, the best of stuff. I, I don't know. I feel like there's this, mm. this tension between like, okay, well, if you're looking for someone to rescue you, save yeah. you, give you worth, yeah. you're going to be sorely disappointed yes. because even the world's best husband is a really crappy yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need to doodle that. That's good. The world's best husband is a really crappy God. Okay. I have to remember that. I'm writing that down. That's so good. Okay. But then there's, but there's this end, yep. right? So it's like, Eh, he's not going to be perfect. But then there's like, but I yeah. have standards yes. and I have places that I want to go in my life. And yeah. I really expect a partner to, to mm-hmm. sharpen me and, yeah. and, you know, be a witness to my life. And so, yeah. so you have, you're holding these two truths mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Yes. That's hard mm-hmm. to know that yes, relationships are hard work. Wait, but how hard? Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you will never know until you get into it. You're like, I talk to married my, some of my married friends all the time and they're always talking about especially newly married of one of my friends said, you know, when people get married, the two become one, but which one? (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. like that, like, Oh, that's what, (laughs) like, how do you reconcile that? And like, you really learn to die to self. And I even think about my life now as a single woman, like I'm able to do so I'm able to be selfish, quote unquote, Uh just living my, I'm able Uh to take, you know, certain vacations and do what I want and all this stuff and not have to think about, there's some people have to think about, but not a, life yeah. partner which I'm sure is a married person you have to th- and with yeah. kids yeah it's really dying to self and yeah yeah well sharpening. okay do you feel like so in you're in a season of waiting you do mm-hmm. desire marriage yeah um gosh what an amazing partner you're gonna be like that gives me <laughs> chills just thinking oh, about man. oh man you are so fun oh, but you know is is there a temptation to obsess over it absolutely yeah absolutely it's because there's sometimes even saints like even in my prayer, even saints do this, and they did this, of, Jesus, I trust you, I trust you. But then that stress of, but what if it doesn't happen? Like, what if it doesn't? Like, I'm not obligated, or uh, what's the word? I'm not um, guaranteed this, even though I desire it. And because, you know, we talk about all the time, the Lord places desires on your heart for a reason, and, like, they're good, and he wants to fulfill that, and he does, but what if it doesn't happen? What if it's not and God's there's, best? Exactly. And that, and that there's, like, a holy ache, I feel like, of mm. this. There is such a desire for that, um, and what if it... So it's that kind of scared that's kind of always in the back of my head of mm-hmm. what if it doesn't happen, and that's when it's brought to the forefront of, okay, then I really don't think I have surrendered this. Mm. Um, and I have friends who are in their late thirties and forties and even fifties that are still desiring marriage that are not married. So it's that, that fear of like, but God, in my plan, I wanted 10 kids and I wanted, and I'm already tired. I don't know how I'm going to have kids now. You know, like the Mm -hmm. energy, you know, you talk about my mom was a young mom. And so just, I always envisioned my life that way. So there is a very much a desire to take life by by your own and like, okay, I'm going to make it happen then. Yeah. And that, and the Lord's like, would you just, would you just be patient? Right. Just wait. Right. 
if for, for and so then you so know? you're saying okay but what if and really yeah. it's even if yeah like even if yes i will praise you yeah i exactly. will you know i will glorify you exactly in the singleness yeah because i think one of the greatest gifts that i've really been praying for so so much is just to have eternity like an eternity mindset and when I think about the concept of heaven and like the concept of eternity life is like here on earth is so short Mm -hmm. and then you know it talks about bible like a vapor in the wind and so if I'm really living my life to have a good death (laughs) and like to die well yeah then even if I don't if I'm not married if I you know all these dreams that I've had that don't come fulfilled, like the yeah. Lord is still good mm-hmm. because I mean, he has to be, he's, yeah. and I'm not living for this world necessarily. Yeah. And so if it doesn't come to fruition, how I thought it would, then yeah, exactly what yeah. you said. Like, God, you're still good. There's this <laughs> image that a friend gave me of leaning over the side of a boat that's in the ocean mm-hmm. and scooping up a handful of water and it trickling oh. through your fingers back into the ocean. Yeah. And that handful of water is our life, oh, you know, so and it's going back into this eternity. Yeah. But to think of how small that is yes, in right. comparison to you showing up having been faithful and yes, trusting the exactly. Lord. Like, Lord, I did every, like, uh, that's my prayer of like, I don't, I want to do everything that you want me to do. And I just think about Jesus' life and how he didn't perform like every single miracle or he mm. didn't do, he didn't heal every single person. Mm. He just did what the father wanted him to do. Mm. And that's what like my prayer, I want my prayer to be is like, Jesus, I just want you to do what you want me to do. Yeah. And if you bring someone into my life, awesome, mm. like beautiful. Mm-hmm. If not, then like, there's still so many ways that I can love. I can yeah. love like people in my life who are married and have kids yeah. in a different way. And I'm able yeah. to be there and just in a different It's like way. that. Um, we, we started off talking about that laser beam focus yeah. of love. Yeah. When it can be a high beam. Oh, that's so of, good. Of yeah. love, you know. Get yourself uh, uh-huh. yeah, out of belly like, gazing. You know, prolonged singleness. Gosh, mm-hmm. I made that sound like a condition. No, so. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a prescription for... <laughs> But I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I'm dry eyes. It's your scalp. Okay. Anyway. Um, but I feel like prolonged singleness can push people to like this exaggerated calmness of surrender where it's like, well, I didn't wait this long to wait this long. Mm. Like you're like, I didn't come this far to come this far. Yeah. Like I'm not going to settle now. Yeah. You know, so there's this kind of surrender Mm -hmm. and calmness. Yeah. Or there's this really exaggerated response (laughs) of, Oh God, time's running Whoever. out. Whoever, yeah, I don't no, care yeah, anymore. Right. <laughs> it's last call. Yeah, you're a guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, last. Yes. Oh my gosh. Now, do you yeah. have, do you yeah. settle into one of those camps? Are you somewhere in the middle? Do you vacillate between um, them? I think I'm definitely not one to settle because there's been people who've tried to set me up with people, and my my <laughs> one of my favorite things is especially like at Genius or other. I've been speaking at women's conferences lately, and oh, everybody's and parent, setting you up with their moms, with their kids, their kids, nephews, sure. you know, even like brothers and stuff. And I always say two things. I'm like, okay, do they love Jesus? Are they disciples? Because I don't want, and, and <laughs> it's either one or two um, answers. One as uh, is, oh yeah, they love Jesus, or two of like. <laughs> it's like okay I don't want a case like I'm not gonna make someone love Jesus <laughs> like you can you can make them better I'm like actually no but <laughs> if you yeah. have to like balance it out and decipher yeah. and like interpret it right. let's just it's, yeah let's like, call you know, it good I'm good so do they love Jesus are they willing to move to Texas because <laughs> my whole family's here and uh-huh. I love Texas mm-hmm. so um so I'm definitely yeah I just know like I think I see my friends a lot of my friends who got married in college or after college and, um, and some of them, sadly, they've, they're in their twenties still and they're divorcing or they're call it, you know, different things. And so I just see that, not that they settled, but just yeah. that reality of like relationships are so hard. So I do, I don't want to put a guy on this pedestal of you have to reach all of these things, but, yeah. um, so to, to be open to, to what yeah. the Lord wants and to not be so closed off. I spent a long time thinking that there were these two parts of me, a part of me that wanted to be nurtured and taken care of yeah. and have this responsible, mm-hmm. um, caring figure in my life. Yeah. And then there was this really fleshly part of me that yeah. wanted to, to date and have sex. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you're cute. Yeah, and, you know? right. And so notice me. <laughs> yes, kind of thing. Yeah. In the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but there were, these, yeah. there were these two parts of me and I felt mm-hmm. like I was going to have to you know, um, bury one of these parts. And so, and because I was a good 
Christian person. I was going to do the right thing. I was going to go with the guy that Mm -hmm. was good on paper. I was going to make a responsible decision. Mm -hmm. And, but there was this, this also very, um, I'm sure that this very sensual part of Mm me, um, that felt sad about that. Yeah. Because it never occurred to me that this could all happen in one person. Yeah. Right. Oh, sure. But yeah. it's going to take a minute. Yeah. It, or it right. might. Yeah. It might take a minute. Right. And so it was such a delight to mm-hmm. me to meet my husband yeah. and be like, you Wait are a second. all the things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell him all the time. Yes. All of the things. You do our taxes yes. and I want to make out with oh, you. That's amazing. This is so great. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know, ladies. That's how you know. You could do taxes. And well, that's the thing too of like, I think... It, there can be a temptation to settle like, well, I'm not really attracted to this guy, but like, I'll give it a shot. And like, that's the thing of like, no, there, there is a standard of like, okay, I had to be attracted to him because that yeah. like, come on, the, the Lord, yeah. he looks at all the little details and you he don't cares. have to just, yes. right. And if I'm not attracted to someone, that doesn't mean that someone else is not going to find him attractive. Yeah. So you can, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to talk about your dad for, that was <gasps> yes. a really awkward transition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you really think that that's that was hilarious. really yeah. terrible. So dads. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you go go into dad bods, dad oh thing. Gosh. Dad. Okay. No, this Michael has Hoffman. great con this is actually really <laughs> has context and matters. <laughs> you you and your dad like went <clears throat> viral with yeah. this delightful video so that weird. is just <laughs> so awesome. How much of your healthy relationship mm-hmm. with a good nurturing mm-hmm. dad? has given you the strength mm-hmm. to, or the resolve, oh or the uh, the confidence to say, yeah. yeah, no thanks. Yeah. I think it's everything. Like, I remember, so I have two older sisters and a younger brother, and my dad, I mean, I just have story after story of, of my parents really building foundation, first of all, that we're known, we're seen, we're loved by God the Father. And, like, what confidence that gave me, and they um, really instilled in us that, this this image and this truth that your family will always be behind you so go and be in the world like go and do things this is like stepping stone into life foundation into life um and even with guys my dad just made it very clear that like he's protector my my dad's protector and that uh, just knowing our worth and knowing our our place in the world and our dignity to not settle and to not to not you know go into these these lies that the world offers and i just remember like growing up so for dances I remember he would take we'd have dates and everyone come to our house we'd take pictures and you know homecoming is a really big thing in Texas and so um and he would take all of the guys at the end of the night he would take all the guys um right before we're about to leave and all the dads that were there and my brother so all the guys he would take him out and he would Talk about, you know, what's the plan for tonight? Does everybody have, everyone has money and like Hmm. how to treat a woman and like all that stuff. And what time is curfew? Okay, you guys know curfew and all that stuff. And then um, he would go, it was like a lot, like 20 minutes talk. And at the end, he would have all the guys grab their elbows. So grab your elbow, grab your elbow. And he would get very, very serious and he'd be like, if you touch anything softer than this, I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like dad mode, like scary dad mode. And And then they're like... Okay, so he just like based on, he's like, all right, go have a good night and uh, really great. (laughs) And so it was just like, so I remember when I was a freshman in high school, my, one of my best friends throughout high school, Scott, hey Scott, um, he, he, so he was my date freshman year of homecoming and then he was also, and he, we always went to dances together. Like he was just my friend group. And I remember senior year, he was my senior year prom date. And by the end of it, Scott was giving the talks because he would know like all of it. So just like this idea of dignity and worth um, to be able to be launched into this crazy, I mean, high school is just a crazy world where hormones are flying and do whatever you want and all this stuff to really know that like actually I'm worth more than that. And like, I, I know some people would cringe at the thought of their dad. Like my dad had a no honking rule. So if oh. someone would come to pick us up yeah. on a date, if they honked to let them know they're outside, sure. it 
they the date would be over uh-huh. and it only happened once and then word spread yeah <laughs> and it happened with my <laughs> oldest sister that he honked my dad said all of us were like oh it happened so my dad went out and he talked to the guy he's like oh this is a great car yeah you know the date's over though right because you honked and he did that and he literally my my sister was like dad how could you know all this stuff like how could you and all of us younger siblings are like that's right Noted. set the example yeah. come on and so from there like I just knew like I know what I'm worth and that's not what it is. And yeah. and I'm okay with saying no because I yeah. just know like, no, 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 no. And I think it, a lot of it had to do with how my dad treated my mom mm. and like the women in his life and like how he just set this amazing example of, of, of love, of partnership, but also he wasn't afraid to be silly. He wasn't afraid to... Mm-hmm be the goofy mm-hmm. type of person mm-hmm. and um but he also wasn't afraid to be madly in love with my mom we always mm-hmm. have this joke right in our family like the kitchen is the place where they just made out and like kiss and like when you walked in you're like seriously really this guys is, uh, really come on and at you know high school we're <laughs> like ew it's so gross but now when like my sisters sure. and their husbands come they we just know that the kitchen is and we always say stop no like we always do that no pl- there's no, i'm coming in open pe- yeah you have to like knock and like all this stuff but just like seeing like healthy sure. just love and like that just really like yeah made this well we standard. see it in inappropriate places all the exactly. time on i know TV. right not exactly appropriate exactly yeah. yeah until just the standard of oh okay what's what's healthy what's not and um yeah, it was really great. Well, Foundation. I had a really good daddy too, mm. and that is certainly a privilege. Yeah, that absolutely. not everyone has. It, exactly. And exactly. Um, and I w- walked in on my parents far too, too many, many times. Too many times. You're like, so I yeah. live here. Like, it's <laughs> so embarrassing. Oh my god. Um, yeah. And so that is mm-hmm. obviously not even. I would say most people's story. I would. Ma- yeah, yeah. More than I mean, majority. we are we are a minority. Yeah. So what do you have to say yeah. to the person that didn't that doesn't have that yeah. privilege? I would say, and I and I didn't realize that was not everyone's experience until I started traveling and and speaking and talking with people of my experience. And I would no, you say, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly, and yeah, of oh, the really eye opening of what a gift that really was in my life, and knowing oh, this really is a blessing. I like thank you Jesus for it. I would say to people who don't have that. Um, doesn't mean that your worth or your dignity is any less like it doesn't mean just because you never had that foundation or or it came later in life or for whatever reason you know um doesn't mean that you're not worth all of that Mm -hmm. and that my especially I think how I my experience with my father and what I was talking about at genius I'm sure with your father like it just made it easier to view God the father as loving and compassionate and Mm -hmm. for you and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and them just very I recognize my privilege in that. And so in talking with women who've never had that, really praying through, that doesn't mean that God the Father is not that way with you. That doesn't mean like I'm just a one-off experience and like it's only true for me because I experienced and that. My dad talks about, um, he even talks about like his brokenness as a father and how he wasn't perfect and that Mm. there were things that we had to reconcile. And like, Mm. even now that I'm almost 30 and my siblings are in our thirties wounds and, and things that we have to reconcile even with a quote unquote perfect dad. Um, and so I, he, he talks about viewing your, your heaven or viewing your earthly father through the heavenly father's eyes Mm. and not viewing your heavenly father through your earthly father's eyes. Mm. Because just even if you have, an earthly father that was not present, was abandoned, was not these things, you know, maybe have been there, but wasn't fully present in family and, you know, active and everything. Um, that viewing that he's just a man, but that doesn't mean that God, the father is not for you mm-hmm. and God, the father, um, doesn't want these desires for you. and doesn't have like viewing, viewing you through your heavenly father's eyes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we have to work on those lies and really seeing it as lies and seeing it as these things in these wounds of, oh, actually I do have father issues and that's why I can't see God the father in certain ways and, and being okay with, I am broken and I do need, um, healing in this. Yeah. And, but, and (laughs) this is what I'm so passionate about, I think is that healing can happen in this lifetime. Like we don't have to wait to heaven to be perfect. Like the Lord, I always think about. I talked about this at Genius, the prodigal son story of, I think sometimes we always stop at 
the reconciling and the son coming back to the father and how it's just a constant reconciliation and coming back and coming back. But we don't actually ever go into the house to celebrate. Like, it's just this, I'm just a sinner. I'm just, you know, poor me, poor me. I can never overcome this or by grace, you know, it's just hard for sins or whatever that we never actually live in fullness and in healing and wholeness because yeah. we just think that this is it. This there's no party. There's no party. Like you can live a full and yeah. happy and whole life yeah. now that there's no party in that. This is abundant life. Yeah, abundant life. Yeah. And it's not the prosperity gospel. It's not like I'm going to be rich and famous and successful. It's just living a whole and healed life. Yeah. That can happen. And and a because lot of times... peace is the presence of Jesus. Exactly. And exactly. so it's bigger than my... My God's bigger than my circumstances. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love it. I I just I you really ministered to me, you mm-hmm. know, listening to you talk about um what was on your ring? Oh, the pro- yeah, the promise ring. So it's the Alpha and Omega uh-huh. on the front. And so it's a family ring that my, all, everyone in my family has and um and so it has the Alpha and Omega symbol in the back or in the front and then on the back is scribed is family. Um and it's a promise ring from my family to myself and my siblings and everyone in my family has one that your family will always be behind you, that you'll never go hungry unless you want to. You'll never be homeless unless you choose it. You'll never live under a bridge unless you choose it. Um, again, that foundation to you have unique gifts and talents in this world that the world needs. So your family's always behind you. So go fail, mm-hmm. make mistakes, yeah. like do all this yeah. and then come back to your family. Like, um, and that was, that was huge. And how it kind of originated was when we were 13 years old, my sisters and I, we had a blessing where older adults would come and just give words of wisdom, scripture, hmm. prayer over us. Cause you're in a, you know, teenager, like going through stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And then at 16, my dad took, uh, my sisters and I out, you know, individually on a, on a date and presented us with this ring. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a, a chastity purity ring. Although he was like, you should promise that to yourself cause you're worth it. Um, but it was this promised ring. And then, um, when my brother was coming up and coming and <laughs> he was like, okay, okay, we can't give you like jewels. So what can we give you? So it was really, that's how this ring or this particular okay. uh-huh. ring originated. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, of just, yeah, of idea. And I think with just family, the attack of family, I think of in this world right now and um, the brokenness of families and the disintegration of families that it's really my dad really instilled in us that if you know someone is for you, then you don't have to be for you. But if, if there's no one in, in your life that you know is for you 100%, then you have to be for you. And what a challenge that is. So you go in through life. Okay. My hands are up yeah. like defensive mode of like, I'm going to be for me. Cause I know no one else is going to yeah. be for me. Um, and I think I've realized that even if you don't have that tribe that of, of family, like what, you know, blood family that, it doesn't have to be blood family. Yeah. It's just like people yeah, in your sure, corner sure. that are rooting for you, that yeah. are for you. And then you can be that for other people. Yes. Um, to be able to to inspire, I think, people and their unique gifts and talents to go out to this world. Because the world, you're so go necessary. Go you can't risk. risk if you... Go, exactly. Yeah. Go make mistakes and be okay with that. So your that. family is like this giant safety net <laughs> yes, that allows exactly. you to just soar. Exactly. Oh, it's so beautiful yeah. to me. And there, were, there was something... I mean, I teared up just a second ago, like mm. as you were preaching at genius, what I heard was mm. no matter what. Mm. And and the yeah. no matter what component no matter of what love yeah. is so divine. Yes. That is such a divine so promise. Freeing, right. It's really hard for earthly people to, yeah. to manage. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but your mm. earthly family has, has kind of made this promise to one another. And yeah. I think that if you don't speak it out, if you don't decide that, yeah. this is a decision we are making. Yes. This, no matter what, I'm going to yes. inscribe it on a ring and I'm going to put it on your finger mm-hmm. and I've made this decision and don't let me forget it. Yeah. Show me right. your hand. Don't let a- me forget it. it. Exactly. Because the exactly. truth is, is that we hurt one another yes. and we can get wounded and, mm-hmm. and it our love is um contingent yeah a lot of times oh absolutely and it is conditional whether yeah. we realize it or not yeah. and that yeah really working through that and and realizing that I am human you are human like yeah. you will wound me and hurt me yes but to be the exact exactly the no matter whatness of no and so what. even when your dad is tempted to say yeah there's that decision that she made that doesn't represent me well. Yes. And that makes me want to punish her yes. with aloofness or yes. silence or coldness. Yeah. I can say, I accept I put that ring on her finger yeah. that says no matter what. <laughs> exactly. It's so exactly. beautiful. Yeah. What so it's a- not only a promise of like, 
like my parents to my to my siblings but also yeah us to my dad knowing that oh no no this is a reminder too that that we are human and we will hurt each other and we will fail but that no matter whatness mm-hmm. i think oh i need to doodle that <laughs> so good okay well let's talk about listen you're around it. teenagers all the time you're or you're probably dating yourself from <laughs> yeah. time to time i mean there's just all this dating happening i yes. want to talk about this is kind of specific, but I think it's yes. important because I think technology uh-huh. has completely changed the scene. It's Absolutely. like we have computers in our pockets. We have mm-hmm. our phones are in our pockets mm-hmm. and there's no space. No. Like when no. I was dating, mm-hmm. there was space. There's, mm-hmm. there was, and space is, is a really, I think, important component to attraction. Yes. You know, it's like yes. when I was dating, you had to wonder what people were doing. Yeah. You had to daydream about yeah. where he might be. Yeah, and be okay <laughs> with that and trust. Yes, and, and yes. now it's like, oh. if it's been half a day with no communication, well, then either I've been ghosted or someone yes. has had a terrible thumb injury. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How sad they lost their thumbs. That's horrific. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That, oh, my gosh. I, I... Social media, I have a, such a love-hate with social media. Because obviously I, I started Oods of Dudes and like sure. some ministry it's and that's great. Immensely, and, but- like it's so great. But also I know that I have to step away from it as well. And that, yeah, that, I mean, we joke, again, we joke about it all the time of the ghosting and of the, he hasn't answered me back. I'm, I've left, I've been left on red. Like that, oh. the red receipt where you can okay. tell now oh. if someone has read it or not and they haven't responded. I think people <laughs> that use read receipts are like freakishly open. Yes. I'm like, that's yes. not okay. Trusting, yeah, to the, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, wow. Um, I think it just proves this anxiety or it, it kind of can instill this anxiety and this anxious nature of, again, it go, did something that I did or didn't of do. Of course. I think in dating and social media combined, I think that it makes it harder to know these are the, this is the pile of things I can control. These are the pile of things I can't control Mm -hmm. with social media and the way that we're so connected to one Mm -hmm. another, Mm -hmm. which is weird because we're isolated too. Exactly. And we've never been more alone in the world. Yeah. Yeah, Depression. And yet I can see all of the places that you are or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it makes it confusing the things you can control and the things you can't control. Like, Social media makes us think, oh, well, I can, I can affect that. Like mm-hmm. I, I can, okay, I can see he's read that text or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, do you double text? Yeah. I mean, right? it's like, like yeah. there's oh, the anxiety my gosh. of yes. I can, Mind games. I can control mm-hmm. what he's thinking or feeling mm-hmm. because I'm so much more accessible yes. into what he's thinking or feeling. Right. And, you know? and if the, if it's not there, then yeah, what can I do to make it happen? Exactly. And what can I do to control it? Right. And, right. And it's can. I mean, it can be a manipulation. And I think anything in moderation, anything in excess, like, is not good. So yeah. even, like, virtue in excess is not good. Yeah. And, like, good it can point. be, it, like, over whatever. And so, yeah, learning to live that. that middle of the lane. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading, there's, um, I think it's St. Thomas Aquinas or some Holy St. Augustine that talks about the, um, the excess of virtue. Like, also the, um, what's the, what's the opposite of excess? Like scarcity, scarcity. Yeah. So like, like courage, if, if there's an overabundance of courage, it can make you do stupid things just in the name of courage. Like I'm just going to be bold and do it. And it's like, okay, that's not, but then also timidity is not also good. So living in that middle lane of virtue of, do you want to know how I think that relates to dating? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) What I said, no, I'm good. (laughs) That's okay. Let's talk about (laughs) I want to know. Yes, please. I think that as Christians, we're so virtuous no. when it com- mm-hmm. when it comes to dating that we're mm-hmm. like the one. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. We date with the one. The one that in this mind. Is mar- yes. And I think that yes. it's so result outcome. Yes. Like, um, outcome. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I, that sounds weird. Result outcome. Um, it's like it's all about result. Uh huh. When really it should really be about process. Like yes. this is an opportunity to get to know somebody and yes. like. Buff up my social skills. Yes, right. Glorify the Lord. Yes, I can glorify the Lord with Mm -hmm. what kind of listener I am. Yes, you know. And I, I remember in college, I was talking to some of my girlfriends about this. Of we really decided like we will never say no to a first date unless Mm. it's like a really obvious like yeah, absolutely not. But never say no first to honor the you know the courage of the the man who is asking me out of like honor of like yeah absolutely. but also just being, yeah, free of like, 
I know that dating has a purpose for marriage, but also not every single date I go on yeah. is going to end up in marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm okay yeah. with that. So yeah. being very like, um, yeah, not controlling. Yeah. That. Yeah. But, and that, and I, in Christian circles and in Catholic circles, like, yes, people will put it off until like this, this mindset of, well, no, I just can't see myself marrying him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you just hear so many stories of yeah. people who say oh. that. For sure. And then you did, and you're like, oh, it really took a while or it yeah. took some time of it like, this minute. is actually is like the one. And I also, I took a class in college called, um, oh shoot, what was it called? It was basically what it should have been called is Relationships 101, <laughs> but it was a psychology, a psychology class, class and um, it talked about uh, dating and stuff. And my Dr. Burry, who is just so profound, so amazing, um, he, he was talking about that we think that there's only the soulmate. There's one person in the world uh-huh. that was created and destined for uh-huh. me, and I have to find that one. Yeah. And he kind of broke that wide open for us of, really, you have to look at circumstances. Where are you living? Like, you, right. there's so many people well, that could. it's anxiety-provoking, because I'm like, what exactly. if he's in Nebraska? I know. I don't, like a, I don't want to move there. Yeah, <laughs> It's too cold. Yeah, exactly. Like this, that pressure of, I have to find the one. And if you don't mean X, Y, and Z, you're not the one. Mm-hmm. And so he really broke it open of, whoever you're with is the one. Hmm. So your husband... Chris, right? Is his name Seth. Chris? Seth? It doesn't matter. He answers to a lot. How did I get Chris? Someone knows. He d- it's- Does he answer to Chris? <laughs> his I have really now funny. named him Chris. I'm now Jesus and I will rename him Chris. When he says Chris. Seth, people kind of, he doesn't really look like a Seth or something and he's like, you yeah. look disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That's my name. Okay. I don't know anyway. why I thought Chris. So Seth, so your marriage with him, like he is your one. He is your soulmate mm-hmm. because you decide that. And mm-hmm. like, I think we forget about that. And obviously I'm not married, but we think, forget about that working and that, yeah. um, like making it happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, that pressure. So Dr. Burry, he would just break that wide open of actually, there's no such thing as the one person until you're in that marriage or that sacramental yeah. grace. And then it does become the one Yeah, because there's yeah. not. Yeah. That's good. That's really yeah. Good. It really puts pressure off too. Cause it's, you can be open and yes. you can be adventurous. And yeah. Allie Hoffman, you are awesome. This was really fun. I'm just, I want to pray with you. I want to like, I want to journey with you. I want to know what you're up to all the time. Your eyes match your sweatshirt. I just can't get enough of you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Promise you'll come back on. This was so much fun. Oh, I would love it. I feel like we have a jillion more things to talk about. I know. I would say, I feel like we're just scratching. Hopefully it's encouraging and like, yeah, that just breathe people. Just breathe. You're doing great. (laughs) Just live your life, whatever you're doing that day. Yeah. Hopefully it's encouraging. Thanks, sister. I love it. I love it. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Beefy! Good morning! I love it when we can record together in person. Me too. We are enjoying a nice fall morning on my front porch. And um, so there's going to be sounds of wildlife, and neighbors jogging, and rustling leaves. Perhaps screeching babies. (laughs) We have them in their kennel. <laughs> we have, um, okay, so this question from the listener is straightforward. She says, Hi guys, I'm a young listener and I would like to know how you knew your husband was your husband. I love this question mm. because I know what you're going to say and you know what I'm going to say. Like yes. We both have a solid answer. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. you go first. Okay, so I remember 100% the first time I saw him. Um, he was walking into a bar that I was at, um, and for reasons too long to explain, I was wearing my grandmother's turtleneck, clearly not planning on meeting the love of my life. Um, but I saw him walking in, and he just had this giant smile on his face because his friend was um, had forgotten his ID. And so he's just, like, shaking his head, like, smiling, laughing at his friend. And I was just like, that smile. I can remember the feeling in my stomach. I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> so that was the first time I noticed him for sure. But then the time where I was like, I think I could and should marry this guy was we were on a big or on a ski trip with a big group of friends and Mike could like ski blacks all day long and I was struggling to like crawl down a green for a hot second 
And so he stayed with me the whole entire time. And I was just, I mean, I would ski for like one second and fall, ski for one second and fall. And like every single time my skis were like flipping off and far away. And so by the end of the day, I would just like lay there and just not even try. Like I was exhausted. This is terrible. Why do people do this for fun? And so I would take my ski pole and just like wave it in the air, like above me, like here's where I'm at, like under the packed snow, please find me and retrieve me and find all the things that just shot off my body. And he would do it over and over and beef. Like he wasn't mad and he wasn't annoyed Uh and he had the most incredible patience. And I can remember thinking laying in the snow, Uh waiting to be retrieved. Like this is the stuff that husbands and fathers are made of. Uh, I love it. How about yours? Okay. So I love that you divided it into, this was the first moment where Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like the forever moment of yes, this is it. Mm-hmm. So the and you're she's probably asking because I feel like you can have a mm, who who that yeah. moment with a lot of people, right. um, but the forever moment. So my first moment of um, wanting that? to know <laughs> who that was, we were at the officers' club, um, in Japan. So I was. Working on a military base. Oh my God, it already sounds like so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a civilian, and he and so there were just a lot of Marines in this bar. He was a Navy doctor, but he was new to the base. He had just gotten there, and so someone was introducing me to him, and it was insta chemistry. Mm-hmm. It was like a Friends episode. Ah. The banter back and forth, and I'm like, "Oh, you're fun." Okay, so that happened, and then when I knew that I knew that I knew was you know how if you have a headache and you take something for that headache and your friend asks you in an hour how's your head and you go oh it's fine yeah yeah and you because you didn't realize that the headache had kind of slipped away I in every other relationship that I had ever been in I was constantly bombarding myself with a million questions of is this right Mm -hmm. should we Mm -hmm. be talking more should we be fighting this much is this right I was constantly um, just wrestling with it. If Mm -hmm. this was something I was supposed to be doing. And I, one day I realized with Seth, I just kind of sat up a little straighter and looked around like with this very peaceful feeling of I'm not bombarding myself with questions. Mm, It's like my headache had just kind of slipped away because it it was, it was easy. It was comfortable. Easy, easy is probably a wrong word because there was work that we needed to do, but it was work that I was enthusiastic to do. It was work that I wanted to do. It was work that didn't completely wear me out. Right. Yeah. So I love it. There we go. Wait for it, ladies. Wait for it. Wait for it. Love you, Beef. Love you. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically, I've never met Mary. You see, we're internet friends. But don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. I have been waiting on the Lord for an answer to a prayer for some time now. Perhaps you know what this is like. You pray the prayer, you hope for the thing, but for a long time there is no answer, or at least not one you recognize. So you keep waiting. Well, just this morning, I was waiting for a friend to pick me up for breakfast. I sat near the window so I could see the street. She was late, so I kept looking out at her absence, eagerly awaiting her arrival. Then it occurred to me, this was how I was waiting for the Lord, eagerly sitting, staring out the window at what I perceived was his absence. But how ridiculous is that? The Lord isn't absent, ever. He is always here with me. So while I haven't received the answer I'm looking for, or even an answer I don't like, what is happening instead? Perhaps I'm not listening to the conversation the Lord is trying to have with me in the meantime. Since I know he's not absent, he probably has something to say that I'm not hearing because I'm sitting by the window and staring out at the street. I may need to spend some quiet time just listening. I may also need to get off my behind and do something while I'm listening rather than forlornly staring out the window. There's no such thing as waiting for the Lord to show up. He's always already here. I just need to listen to the right conversation. Dear God, we likely don't start out willing to wait. In our natural response to waiting, it might be anger or doubt. Thank you, God, for being gracious and merciful and understanding of our tendencies. 
simply feeling deep and complex emotions and waiting, especially for significant things, that's not necessarily sinful, but God, we can decide where those emotions take us. We can decide which feelings to exalt. We can decide when things are confusing to lean into the parts of your character that we know for certain, which is that you are good and that you love us. We can decide to not make an idol out of whatever it is that we're waiting for. We can decide to not take matters into our own hands. Jesus, please lend us your holiness to do this waiting well. Thank you, God, for Jesus, for the cross. If the cross of Christ is not enough to prove your great love for us, then nothing will be. We can, by your grace, choose to wait as you intend, praying and never giving up, continuing to hope in your greatness. We pray all of these things, God, in your Son's precious name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Allie Hoffman. You can follow her on Instagram at The Oodles of Doodles. You can find her website there to book her to speak. Thank you to Pamela Anthony Cutright and Chen Redfield for music. Thank you to Kristen Kelly and Mary Bishop. For more of Mary's writing, head to madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com. Center Saint Sister now has a Patreon page. Please consider supporting Center Saint Sister by searching for Allison Sullivan on patreon.com. Many episodes are now only available for patrons. Send us your questions at centersaintsister at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Allison M. Sully. Don't forget to review, like, and subscribe, and tune in next week.